Welcome to Equimanagement's podcast, Disease Du Jour, which is focused on equine research and current best practices. Disease Du Jour is brought to you in 2020 by Merck Animal Health. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. Today's episode is about controlling estrus in performance mares, and our guest is Dr. Patrick McHugh, a diplomate in the American College of Theriogenologists. Dr. McHugh coordinates the Clinical Stallion, Broodmare, Foaling, and Embryo Transfer Services at the Equine Reproduction Laboratory at Colorado State University. Welcome, Dr. McHugh. Happy to be here. Well, I know this is a topic that you often talk about, so let's just jump right in with a brief review of the estrus cycle. Well, to start with, we should just review the fact that mares are seasonal breeders and that um, a majority of mares, maybe up to 90% of mares, will be anestrous or have ovarian inactivity during the winter time. And then if they're not put under lights, they start developing follicles typically in March and then in early April. And then by, the, by mid to late April, they'll develop a, a large follicle that may go on to ovulate. And during that early spring transition period, they may show a behavioral estrus. They may be in heat for a while, out of heat for a while, and that comes and goes with the estrogen produced by each individual follicular wave. Some horses only have one wave. They go from deep anestrus and then one wave of follicle that goes on to ovulate. Some horses will have two or three or even more waves of follicles that come and go, each typically getting progressive, big, progressively bigger, larger, in each follicular wave and then ultimately culminating in an ovulation. And in the, in the majority of North America, the average first ovulation of the year for, for mares that are not under lights would be mid-April to early May. And then of course, we, most people try to, uh, most owners want to advance that into, um, uh, so that the mares start to cycle in February or early March, and that's done by putting mares under lights starting in early December. And it takes about somewhere between 60 and 75 days of an artificial photo period to promote that earlier follicular development and the onset of ovulation. And then once the mare ovulates once early in the season, she'll typically continue to ovulate about every 21 days. That's just an average. And that may be from 19 to 23 days uh, repeatedly. A majority of mares will be in heat for somewhere between four to seven days, and after they ovulate, they'll be out of heat with a, a corpus lutea making progesterone will be out of heat for about 14 days or so. And, and that cycle is again repeated uh, fairly routinely for a majority of mares. So for the people who aren't into breeding, and a lot of com competitors or just riders um, love to have their mares, I'm one of those people. So what would be the reasons that a veterinarian would be asked by their client to try and control this estrus cycle in mares and, and give us some of your tips about case selection. Well, we see a lot of mares over the years, uh, year after year, month after month, by owners that will indicate that there's some adverse behavior that they're recognizing that they may initially think are associated with the estrous cycle or have to do with either ovarian function or, or uterine function. Often they're not, and I think a, a majority of veterinarians would agree with that, that often it's not a, um, uh, a behavior that's driven by 
reproductive hormones. And there may be other issues. It could be anything from some, some owner issues. It could be a new owner uh, with, uh, a, a, with inadequate experience as an owner of a mare. Could be a brand new owner of that mare that doesn't understand the, uh, the behavior of that particular mare. It could be the training that that mare has received over her early life lifetime. Uh, either the training's been inadequate or inconsistent or could be even inappropriate. The environment that the mare is currently in may not be helpful in how she's housed. Uh, she may be placed in an environment that that is disruptive and so that any of those things may lead a situation where a particular owner or trainer may not be getting along with the mare. So what often happens is we'll be contacted by an owner or trainer to evaluate a mare to say to, to be asked is this mare the behavior that they're seeing is it due to to uh to reproductive hormones or the stage of the cycle uh we'll do a physical exam on the mare and then we'll we'll start in on the reproductive evaluation often they don't know the stage of the estrus cycle that the mare is currently in so we'll do a palpation and an ultrasound exam on that mare and log in what the follicles or corpus luteum is on her left ovary, right ovary, what the uterus looks like, and, and log all the, uh, of, of what we see on ultrasound, log that in, and then we'll have a conversation with the owner and the conversation will usually go something to the effect of, wh when do you see these behaviors, at, at what stage of of uh, performance or training and what are you doing at the time what's the mare doing what is the mare showing and sometimes what is happening is that it's it's actually some physical issue of of back problems hock problems stifle problems and it's not having anything to do with reproductive um, issues at all i often will ask the owner have you logged any of these behaviors in and are they consistent with a certain pattern? Uh, the mare, once she starts the cycle, will normally have this 21-day pattern in heat for four to seven days and then out of heat for about two weeks. I may suggest to them that they, the owner or trainer, that they uh, keep track of this adverse behavior, write it down on a calendar, see if, it, if there is a pattern, and then if we're not sure if it's associated with reproduction, bring the mare back when she is showing that adverse behavior. It may not be on the day of the initial exam. Uh, very often they don't follow those guidelines and don't log those in uh, on, on a calendar. So then it becomes unpredictable as to when, when the mare is showing those behaviors relative to the estrus cycle. I will often ask the owner or trainer about the history when they started showing these behaviors. And then I may make a suggestion that how did the mare behave in December, January, and February? Because that's a time period for most mares when they've got minimal ovarian activity. And if this behavior is existing during those time periods when ovarian function is essentially shut down, then whatever they're, they're recognizing in the horse is probably not due to ovarian function anyway. And so we then work our way through that to, again, trying to get the best history possible, how long they've owned the horse, again, what the behavior that they're challenged with, when does that show up? Uh, sometimes an owner will indicate just pressure on the right flank or the left flank will elicit some 
some adverse behavior, uh, the mayor kicking out, the mayor cringing, the mayor not willing to turn in a certain direction, and they may think it's associated with an ovary on one side or another. What a lot of owners are interested in, what they're thinking, is that the mayor either has a large follicle at the time, or a fresh ovulation, or there's some ovarian pathology like an ovarian tumor. And of all the mares that we see, and it's often a couple of months, month after month, and I've been doing this for over 30 years, that, that it's, it's really almost never uh, associated with ovarian function. It can be occasionally, and there are mares, that at the time of ovulation, they do show discomfort on that one ovary, and that's a transient discomfort that may be present for a day or so. But a majority of mares that we see for these behavioral abnormalities it's really not associated with ovarian function. And when you're talking about the performance, when, when the horses, you said, you know, they can have some of these other things, what would you do if you, um, what would you recommend to a veterinarian, you know, taking the history, logging things on the calendar, doing the reproductive exam? Is there anything else that you would recommend during this examination phase and trying to figure things out. Right, and we'll, we'll obviously hold on to the treatment here for the next question that you'll probably be asking me. So one of the advantages that I have uh, where I work is that I've got people that, are, uh, uh, that work with sport and performance horses, and, and I may suggest that they, uh, that they utilize one of those veterinarians and do a, a lameness exam. And, uh, and, and look for, uh, for lameness issue or maybe a back problem. So having a second set of eyes on these horses are often quite helpful. Well, that, that's a good, good tip there. So what kind of tips could you give to veterinarians when they're going to be discussing with horse owners and trainers about estrus suppression? If, if you do determine that this is uh, a cause of problems with a performance mare, what can you help veterinarians in their discussions with these owners and trainers? Today's Disease to Shore podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health's Regimate, Alternagist. When it comes to delivering safe, predictable control over a mare's reproductive cycle, nothing compares to Regimate. Tried and true, Regimate is proven with 30 years of results and more than 50 million doses sold. That's something no generic can claim. Regimate is contraindicated for use in mares having a previous or current history of uterine inflammation. Review proper use and safe handling of Regimate. Avoid skin contact. Pregnant women or women who suspect they are pregnant should not handle this product. For complete safety information, read the label. It's a loaded question, and I'm going to repeat part of what I said in that. A majority of times, it's not associated with the mare's estrus cycle. Having said that, there are times when we will look at uh, um, estrus suppression from a hormonal standpoint just to see if, if it does have a, an effect, a behavioral effect on the mare that the owner perceives as positive. We're, we're not necessarily trying to, to control the estrus cycle as, as much as just alter some of the behavior, and there may be a bit of a placebo effect here with, with some owners. So again, what I'll typically go back to is, um, is the, the sage of the cycle and what controls the, the cycle. And what controls 
the, the behavioral estrus is um, estrus is driven, the behavior is driven by estrogen that are made by developing follicles. And once the mare ovulates and progesterone rises, those behaviors generally go away. And so administering progesterone or a synthetic progestogen, it can be used and is very commonly used to control the estrus cycle of mares and, and, and block behavioral estrus and has been, that's been done for probably 40 years. And so there's a couple options for uh, administration of hormones, but I'm gonna go back to the fact that if, if the mare has those kind of behaviors when she's in deep anestrus, not cycling, addition of altrinogest or some other hormone is unlikely to change it, at least not dramatically. But that's where we may start. I may suggest to an owner that, that they administer a test dose of altrinogest, and there's a couple brand names of that. Regumate is one, and there's a couple generics, Ultrasyn and Ovamed, that I may recommend that they, that they do a, a short trial of that, somewhere between two to four weeks of that. Um, and that would be done for just to see if the behavior changes during that time period. And that's uh, given orally, it's given once a day orally. And if an owner is going to want to uh, block some adverse behavior that are related to the estrus cycle, we generally recommend they start that three to four days prior to the event. So if it's a weekend event, then maybe start on Tuesday or Wednesday to, to get the altrinogest on board and be able to suppress behavioral estrus before a Saturday or Sunday event. Now, that's probably the best place to start is a, is a trial of altrinogest. Uh, one again, a brand name is Regumate. There have been other things tested. Uh, the hormone uh, brand name in humans called Depo-Provera is medroxyprogesterone acetate. Uh, that's been uh, tested in horses. It was used clinically uh, for a number of years. It is, it is, um, uh, it's a prohibited substance by the FEI, and now it's a prohibited substance by the U.S. Equestrian Federation as well. But that had been administered to horses. Uh, we did some research on that. Um, we were funded to study that, the effect on suppression of estrus, and it had no biological effect. It was completely uh, unable to uh, block behavioral estrus. All the mares treated in that study with Regumate did have a blockage of behavioral estrus, and, and the, um, the Depo-Provera had no different effect than a saline placebo. Um, th again, there's been some others as well. There's been some cattle implants used. The one brand name is Cinevex, and that was popular for a while with horse owners in, in an attempt to uh, to be administered administering progesterone, a uh, natural progesterone in these little subcutaneous implants. We did a study on that as well and found that those implants did not have any biological effect in the mare. And so we don't recommend either the uh, subcutaneous uh, administration of Cinevex pellets or the intramuscular administration of medroxyprogesterone because neither of them are approved. And, and more importantly, neither of them work. Now, there will be some owners that will say, um, is there a recommendation to just remove the ovaries? And, and that would be a surgical technique, typically by a laparoscopy to surgically remove the ovaries. The obvious comment with that is that 
that, that the mare will have no potential for future reproduction if the ovaries are removed. But one of the things that is worrisome, even in a conversation with an owner about an ovarectomy, is if the behavior is not driven by ovarian function, ovarian hormones, that simply removing the ovaries will not change anything. That's where I go back to what is the mare like in the winter when she has very limited ovarian function. And if we surgically remove ovaries, it will be very similar to what the behavior of the mare is when she has limited ovarian function in the middle of the winter, January, February type time period. So we don't, um, ovarectomy is, is not something that we bring up early on in these clinical situations. And I have, you know, we, we have seen over the years different types of intrauterine devices that are supposed to help with this. What is your um, experience with those? There have been several. You are correct. Um, early on, there were some research studies with um, glass balls. Really, they're marbles, 35 millimeter marbles that were sterilized and placed in the uterus. There have been other study studies with plastic balls filled with water, again, around 35 millimeters. And then more recently, some um, elliptical magnetic units have been uh, put up in the uterus, again, all in an attempt to uh, to alter prostaglandin release by the endometrium so that uh, with an alteration in prostaglandin release, the mare may develop a persistent corpus luteum, and that prolonged or persistent corpus luteum will continue to make progesterone for a period of somewhere 50 to 75 days or more, and that would keep the mare out of heat if there's an elevation in progesterone. So it's the mare's natural own production, continuous production of progesterone for a prolonged period of time. The, the challenge with that is that the, the efficacy of treatment of, of stimulating formation of a persistent corpus luteum ranges somewhere between 40 and 70% and or so. So it's not uh, highly effective in all mares. It does last a persistent corpus luteum for a prolonged period of time, again, 50 to 70 days or more. But if, if an owner really wanted to be consistent and, and, and make sure that, that the mare was out of heat for a period of time, then daily oral administration of, of uh, Altrinogest is probably a, a, a more consistent way to do that than, than the intrauterine devices. One of the challenges of the marbles is that uh, many veterinarians, including in our program, that we have seen uterine infections, either bacterial infections or fungal infections uh, associated with a marble, we have seen mares continue to cycle. We've even seen pregnant mares with a marble inside. And then we have had reports uh, of marbles that have fractured while in the mare, uh, broken into pieces and have little glass shards up in the uterus. So I think a majority of veterinarians right now are, are staying away from insertion of marbles and, and maybe these other treatments, if they wanna try them, they're relatively inexpensive. They don't work consistently. But if, they, um, if it does work in a horse and they do develop a, a persistent corpus luteum, it could keep a mare out of heat for a couple months and that may be beneficial for the owner. There is uh, some research going on with the use of oxytocin and 
an administration of oxytocin over a, a certain section of the estrus cycle, uh, seven to 14 days post ovulation, daily administration during that time period, also has been shown to uh, result in development of a persistent corpus luteum, which again may continue to secrete progesterone for 50 to 70 days or so. So that work is, is ongoing. Uh, there's another treatment that we don't have available in the United States, but I think veterinarians need to know about it, and that's um, a GnRH vaccine. In Australia, they do have a vaccine called Equity that is a, a vaccine against gonadotropin-releasing hormone. If one vaccinates against GnRH and antibodies are, are produced because of that, those antibodies will bind to GnRH coming out of the hypothalamus and prevent the GnRH from binding to the gonadotrope cells of the pituitary. Consequently, the pituitary doesn't produce as much FSH and LH, and without the gonadotropin support, then ovarian function is reduced. So with a, a dose or two of a GnRH vaccine, theoretically, mares don't grow follicles, so therefore they don't come into heat and could also act as a, a contraceptive uh, because those mares are not cycling. We don't have that in the United States. We don't have the, the access to that vaccine. One of the challenges with a mare that's been vaccinated against GnRH is that once you vaccinate a mare, she may be uh, non-cyclic for the period of time of which she has antibodies, which may be uh, six months to a year or more. So the, the control over individual estrocycles or for a, um, a defined period of time is really not possible with a GnRH vaccine. Another challenge is if we do get that vaccine in the United States and mares are vaccinated at a young age in their performance career, and then an owner wants to, to breed them, it may be a while before that mare begins to cycle. And then we don't always have the, the um, ability to tell if a mare has received the vaccine. So there's some challenges with that. I, I do support the idea of, of, of having it available, but it'll be a challenge trying to combine that in a training program if followed by, by reproduction. What, what everybody wants in an ideal treatment for estrus suppression is, is a protocol that's number one, safe for the mare, number two, effective, number three, easy to administer, and then the last couple things, have it be reversible so that when an owner decides now it's time to breed the mare, that she will be able to cycle and that it's cost effective. So there's a lot of, of, of um, goals for an owner or trainer and not all the treatments that are available uh, fit each one of those categories. I've got one more note. Uh, one more thing I'd like to mention is that there are a variety of herbal supplements that have been been used in horses and touted in horses as being effective in controlling the estrus cycle. And, and a lot of those, I would say most of them have not been tested. Uh, they're not FDA approved and they're certainly not, um, uh, not accepted. They're, they're in fact prohibited by the FEI. So one, one should be careful of, of using herbal supplements in mares, performance mares for control the estrus cycle or suppression of estrus. And that was exactly the topic I was going to bring up because I know that veterinarians love to hear owners come up with some generic bottle and say, look, I've got this and I think this is going to 
take care of all the estrus problems I've been having with my chest yeah. and hair. So I don't know for for some of these herbal supplements or nutraceuticals. Most of those have not been tested in a controlled study, a, a blinded controlled study where the people that are actually administering the the medication to horses are not privileged to know what they're administering and the and people doing the observations on the mares they should also not be aware of what what medication or supplement is being given so it's truly a a blinded study and and those really need to be done before anybody can routinely recommend herbal supplements or nutraceuticals for uh, for control of the cycle we we need that information before really before any veterinarian is going to to make a recommendation uh, to an owner or to a trainer. Well, that's very good advice. Is there anything else, Dr. McHugh, that you would like to uh, offer to the our veterinary audience about controlling the reproduction cycle and, and performance mares? I guess I'd end with more or less where we started, and that's make sure that you take an adequate history of the horse. Find out uh, who has owned the horse previously, how long the current owner has had that that horse. Now we're talking about mares. And then and then try to log in uh, what the behavior, the adverse behavior is and when it's happening relative to the estrus cycle. If an owner knows, sometimes mares are blatantly obvious when they're in heat and others are more silent heat where you really don't know their cycle. And then try to match up whatever the adverse behavior is to the cycle. So taking a behavior, a detailed physical exam, and trying to, uh, to do a reproductive exam to see if, uh, when the adverse behavior is occurring, is it related to ovarian function or uterine function? And again, a majority of times it's not. And I would say a majority of time it comes back to either training or uh, owner ex experience or expectations. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. McHugh, and thank you to our audience for listening to this episode of Disease Du Jour. You can hear previous and future podcasts of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Pippa. We hope you'll join us for a future edition of Disease Du Jour. <music>